0: Book Two, Chapter Eight of the History of Pompey the Little. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paige Isinger. The History of Pompey the Little, or the Life and Adventures of a Lap Dog by francis coventry book two chapter eight not long after this as lord Marmeset was sitting in his study reading some papers of state with our hero under his chair guillaume entered the room and informed him that mr rymer the poet was below curse mr rymer the poet and you too for an egregious blockhead cries his lordship why the devil did you let the fellow in Tell him his latest political pamphlet is execrable nonsense and unintelligible jargon, and I am not at leisure to see him this morning. My lord, replied the valet, he begged me to present his humble duty to your lordship, and to inform you that a small gratuity would be very acceptable at present, for it seems his wife is ready to lie in, and he says he has not sixpence to defray the expenses of her groaning." How, cries his lordship, has that fellow the impudence to beget children? The dog pretends here to be starving, and yet has the assurance to deal in procreation. Prithee, Guillaume, what sort of a woman is his wife? Have you seen her? Yes, my lord, answered the trusty valet. I have had the honor of seeing the lady, but I am afraid she would have no great temptations for your lordship for the poor gentlewoman has the misfortune to squint a little which does not give a very bewitching air to her countenance besides which she has the accomplishment of red hair into the bargain well then cries the peer turn the hound out of doors and bid him go to the devil pox take him and if he had a handsome wife i might be tempted to encourage him a little but how can he expect my favor without doing anything to deserve it "'Then your lordship won't be pleased "'to send him a small acknowledgment,' "'said the valet de chambre. "'No,' replied the peer. "'I have no money to fling away "'on poets and hackney writers. "'Let the fellow eat his own works "'if he is hungry. "'Hold! Stay! "'I've thought the better of it. "'Here, Guillaume, take this little dog, "'since my wife won't have him, "'and carry him to the poet. "'My service to the gentleman and desire him to keep it for my sake guillaume was a man of some little humor which had prompted him to the dignity of first pampin ordinary to his lordship and perceiving that his master had a mind to divert himself this morning with the miseries of an unhappy poet he resolved that the joke should not be lost in passing through his hands taking the dog therefore from his lordship he made haste downstairs and accosted the expecting bard in the following manner. "'Sir, his lordship is very busy this morning, and not at leisure to see you, but he speaks very kindly of you, and begs you would do him the favor to accept of this beautiful little bologna lap-dog.' "'Except of a lap-dog!' cries the poet with astonishment. "'Bless me, what is the matter? Surely there must be some mistake, Mr. Guillaume for I cannot readily conceive of what use a bologna lap-dog can be to me. Sir, replied the valet de Chambre, you may depend upon it. His lordship had some reason for making you this present, which it does not become of us to guess at. No, said the bard. I would not presume to dive into his lordship's counsels, but really now, Mr. Guillaume, "'A few guineas in present cash would be rather more serviceable to me than a bologna lapdog, "'and more comfortable to my poor wife and children.' "'Sir,' said the valet, "'you must not distrust his lordship's generosity. "'Great statesmen, Mr. Rymer, "'always do things in a different manner from the rest of the world. "'There is usually something a little mysterious in their conduct. "'But assure yourself, sir,' This dog will be the forerunner of a handsome annuity, and it would be the greatest affront imaginable not to receive him. You must never refuse anything which the great esteem a favor, Mr. Rymer, on any account, even though it should involve you and your family in everlasting ruin. His lordship desired that you would keep the dog for his sake, sir, and therefore you may be sure he has a particular regard for you when he sends you such a memorial of his affection the unhappy poet finding he could extort nothing from the unfeeling hands of his patron was obliged to retire with the dog under his arms and climbed up in a disconsolate mood to his garret where he found his wife cooking the scrag end of a neck of mutton for dinner the mansions of this son of Apollo were very contracted and one would have thought it impossible for one single room to have served so many domestic purposes. But good housewifery finds no difficulties, and penury has a thousand inventions, which are unknown to ease and wealth. In one corner of these poetical apartments stood a flock-bed, and underneath it a green Jordan presented itself to the eye, which had collected the nocturnal urine of the whole family, consisting of Mr. Rymer his wife, and two daughters. Three rotten chairs and a half seemed to stand like traps in various parts of the room, threatening downfalls to unwary strangers, and one solitary table in the middle of this aerial garret served to hold the different treasures of the whole family. There were now lying upon it the first act of a comedy, a pair of yellow stays, two political pamphlets, a plate of bread and butter, three dirty nightcaps and a volume of miscellany poems the lady of the house was drowning a neck of mutton as we before observed in meagre soup and the two daughters sat in the window mending their father's brown stockings with blue worsted such were the mansions of mr rymer the poet which i heartily recommend to the repeated perusal of those unhappy gentlemen who feel in themselves a growing inclination to that mischievous damnable and destructive science as soon as mr rymer entered the chamber his wife deserted her cookery to inquire the success of his visit on which the comforts of her lying in so much depended and seeing a dog under her husband's arm bless me my dear said she why do you bring home that filthy creature eat up our victuals thank heaven we have got more mouths already than we can satisfy and I'm sure we want no addition to our family why my dear answered the poet his lordship did me the favor to present me this morning with this beautiful little bologna lap dog present you with a lap dog cried the wife interrupting him what is it you mean mr. Rymer?" But, however, I'm glad his lordship was in so bountiful a humor, for I'm sure that he's given you a purse of guineas to maintain the dog. Well, I vow it was a very genteel way of making a present, and I shall love the little fool for his master's sake. Great men do things with so much address always that one is transported as much with their politeness as their generosity. Here the unhappy bard shook his head, and soon undeceived his wife by informing her of all that had passed in his morning's visit. "'How?' said she. "'No money with the dog? "'Mr. Rymer. I am amazed that you will submit to such usage. "'Don't you see that they make a fool and an ass "'and a laughing-stock of you? "'Why did you take their filthy dog? "'I'll have his brains dashed out this moment, Mr. Rymer. "'If you had kept on your tallow-chandler's shop, "'I and mine should have had wherewithal to live, "'but you must court the draggled-tailed muses forsooth, "'and a fine provision they have made for you. "'Here I expect to be brought to bed every day, "'and you have not money to buy pap and cauddle. "'Oh, curse your lords and your political pamphlets! "'I'm sure I have reason to repent the day that ever I married a poet!' "'Madam,' said Mr. Rymer, "'exasperated his wife co- at his wife's conversation,' you ought rather to bless the day that married you to a gentleman whose soul despises mechanical trades and is devoted to the noblest science in the universe poetry madam like virtue is its own reward but you have a vulgar notion of things you have an illiberal attachment to money and had rather be frying grease in a tallow chandler's shop than listening to the divine rhapsodies of the heliconian maids it's true madam "'His lordship has not recompensed my labours "'according to expectation this morning. "'But what of that? "'He bid me proceed in the execution of my design, "'and undoubtedly means to reward me. "'Lords are often destitute of cash, as well as poets, "'and perhaps I came upon him a little unseasonably "'when his coffers were empty. "'But I auspicate great things from his present of a dog. "'A dog, madam, is the emblem of fidelity.' "'The emblem of a fiddlestick!' "'cried the wife, interrupting him. "'I tell you, Mr. Rymer, you are a fool "'and have ruined your family by your senseless whims and projects. "'A gentleman, Quotha! "'Yes, forsooth, a very fine gentleman, truly, "'that has hardly a shirt to his back "'or a pair of shoes to his feet. "'Look at your daughters there in the window, "'and see whether they appear like a gentleman's daughters. "'And for my part, I have not an under-petticoat that I can wear. "'You have had three plays damned, Mr. Rymer and one would think that might have taught you a little prudence. But do fetch me, if you shall write any more, for I'll burn all this nonsense that lies upon the table. So saying, she flew like a bacchanal fury at his works, and with savage hands was going to commit them to the flames, had she not been interrupted by her husband's voice, crying out with impatience, See! See! See, my dear! The pot! Boils over! The broth! it's running away into the fire this luckily put an end to their altercation and postponed the sacrifice that was going to be made they then sat down to dinner without a tablecloth and made a wretched meal envying one another every morsel that escaped their own mouths and tis highly probable poor pompey would soon have fallen a sacrifice to hunger and been served up at mr Rymer's poetical table had not an accident luckily happened to relieve him from this scene of misery squalidness and posy end of book 2 chapter 8